Apologies in advance for the sound quality in this episode. Uh, the system developed a fault without my noticing it during the recording, so I had to do some very heavy post-processing to remove a lot of the hum and noise, resulting in a very tinny sound quality. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. remain calm ladies and gentlemen this casual has taken control of the airways this is casually hardcore live on alphageekradio.com for thursday the 29th of october 2015 this is casually hardcore and i am gnome wise and i'm all you got oh yes i am flying solo uh, Grail is uh, tending to a convalescing Daxa, uh, leaving me all by my lonesome to face one of my greatest fears and challenges, the Solo Mike Show. Though, they say face your fears, and the only way to get better at something is to do it, so here I am, giving you a show for the week, uh, rather than leaving you guys high and dry, trying to resist the power of the pod fade. That being said, let us begin. So next week, there will be no regular show, but there will be special events. We have BlizzCon 2015, to which yours truly has scored media passes. Oh yeah, baby. Oh yeah. Uh, I am also have been retained to uh, live stream several events while at the con, so keep an eye on the front page and the special event channel on alphageekradio.com, and there'll be all kinds of fun stuff uh, Thursday evening, Friday evening, and also Saturday during the day and Sunday during the day, an assortment of regular Alpha Geek Radio shows from the Frog Pants Network, Tom Merritt, amove.tv, all the usual suspects. Uh, the schedule is forming up on the website. Go to alphageekradio.com, click on schedule, and page forward to the 6th and 7th of November, and you'll see entries starting to be made into the special events channel. And as I learn more from who wants to be on the air, where and when, you will see things appearing there. As far as what is likely to be announced at BlizzCon, that's a big question mark. Um, previous years, it's been pretty clear what franchise or what IP was going to get the love. Um, this year, not so much. Really, Diablo 3 is kind of up for consideration since it's the one that has least recently gotten any love. Um, so we have StarCraft 2 with Legacy of Void already pending. We have World of Warcraft with Legion already announced and in the pipeline. Uh, we have Overwatch that just went into its closed beta. Heroes of the Storm launched not all that long ago. Hearthstone is going strong. Um, 
and moving forward with the tavern brawls, and there, there may be an announcement of their next big, next big expansion. Don't know. Um, so it really kind of leaves Diablo 3 as the obvious contender. Typically, Blizzard has always you know, not done a BlizzCon unless they had something to announce. This might signal a change in their attitude. Of, yeah, we'll just have a BlizzCon because we have so many properties and so much esports to do that we're going to have a con no matter what so we can have our various finals and championships and stream things live on TV. Who knows? All I know is I'm going. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to get my nerd on and brave the uh, hot parts and nerds, nerd funk that is the convention area. I'll gather what intel I can for you guys uh, and, and bring it back and also just watch for the live stream. I should, uh, as far as I know, the one I'm going to be appearing on myself for Friday, it will be um, Daily Tech News Show with uh, Tom Merritt. Also on there should be Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett. And followed closely by, I think, a brief episode of the morning stream. Still working out the details on that, but you should hear my dulcet tones on uh, Friday at the usual uh, 1.30 Pacific time. Uh, again, check the schedule on alphagategradio.com for up-to-date schedules as they change, adapt. A lot of my hosts have the annoying habit of not giving me times and dates until they kind of work it out on the fly the day of. So there should be a wealth of content coming out at sporadic times as well as scheduled times. Um, they have, as usual, the virtual ticket where you can tune in and uh, get the live stream. It's also a backdoor way to get the uh, swag bag. And... Uh, it's, you know, kind of sort of a con experience. Not sure what the big item in the swag bag is going to be and the digital delivery, the various pets and mounts and things. Not being a regular WoW player anymore and only recently having dipped my toes back into, uh, things like Diablo 3. Eh, less exciting to me. I'm also just middle-aged dude who is less impressed by such things. But, uh, still looking forward to just the recharge of getting together with the various close members of the tribe, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, I won't say de-stress, because it is by its very nature kind of a draining and stressful experience in a cool, positive way. Uh, as usual, you can check out blizzcon.com for the schedule of events. Uh, it is top to bottom something going on every minute of every day it, it is impossible to consume it all because there's so many simultaneous things happening uh, but it, it is a, a wonderful uh, next on the list coming your way and fun time on get a actual Lucas-Cola Quantum beverage uh, from the local Atari uh, Day store. If you like your uh, sodas neon and blue, uh, go for it. They basically partnered with uh, Jones Soda Group to make a uh, Lucas-Cola branded uh, product launch tie-in. If you're deeply into the Fallout for lore, Go grab some, put them up on the shelf, save them as a, uh, as a keepsake. As far as drinking it, I'm not sure I want something that color going into my body. That is a color not found in nature. Holy crap. Um, and I'm actually kind of I'm distressed that uh, Fallout 4 is already upon us 
I had grand plans. I went out to Steam and I got the various permutations of Fallout 3. And I was finally going to get into this franchise and, and see what the, all the fun is about. And of course, life reared its head. I had no time to even freaking install the game. Never mind. Play it. Uh, yeah, you know, if you, if, if you want to uh, play lots of video games and stay in touch with this stuff, don't have kids. Um, they'll just cut a big hole in your life after which you can resume this stuff but right now I'm deeply in the whole child rearing thing so sneaking in time to do these things that's eh, going to have to wait for five years so check back when VR uh, is deeply in place and uh, we'll do direct neural jacks into the uh, back of our neck alright uh, brief music break while I look at the next topics Dulcet tones of Exorb. Happy little bug. I'll be right back. So from the We've Come Full Circle department, we have an article here from The Verge. Twitch launches new hub where users can watch artists as they work. Twitch Creative. Y'all remember Justin.tv? You know, the general purpose streaming service that Twitch shuttered and closed down in order to focus only on game streaming. Yeah, well, I guess they decided that wasn't the best idea, and they're kind of inching their way back towards being a general-purpose video streaming service, and this is a step along that road. So Twitch Creative is a reaction to them observing their customer base and seeing a lot of people uh, streaming themselves building cosplay or creating fan art for various franchises. Um, generally just making or creating or artistically expressing themselves and not strictly doing game-related streaming. And instead of bringing the band hammer down, uh, and I don't know if this is a kinder, gentler Twitch since their acquisition by Amazon uh, or what, but they have decided to carve out a space for these air quotes creatives uh, and give them their own section of Twitch. To celebrate this, they did something fairly awesome. They went and bought the rights to the Bob Ross Joy of the Now, if you don't know who Bob Ross was, he was big guy with a white man fro and big old hippie beard who regularly appeared on public broadcasting demonstrating oil painting techniques and it was this very soft spoken guy with a very 
gentle mannerisms and you know had a reputation for talking about the picture that he was painting and everything in his painting was happy so if he was going to put a tree it was a happy tree a little happy little tree and he was going to put a cabin in his landscape a little happy little cabin where the clouds were always supposed to happy clouds here a happy pond everything was a happy little this that or the other Twitch went out, got the rights to all 430 episodes of Joy of Painting, and they are marathon streaming them on Twitch Creative to celebrate the creation of Twitch Creative with one of the great original pre-digital era creators, Bob Ross. That's just all kinds of awesome and nostalgia and, and fun. So good on you, Twitch, for finding a really good way to promote uh, Twitch Creative. So it's twitch.tv forward slash creative if you want to check out what kinds of things they're having people feature there. I don't know if uh, the Alpha Geek video channels will get branded as creative since they're not strictly 100% gaming. The ruling I got from Twitch when I uh, emailed them before setting up the permanent channels there was at least two-thirds of your content needs to be gaming related and two-thirds of the show on the network more than two-thirds are easily gaming related so i'm not overly worried about getting the boost but uh if we find a you know the appropriate labeling for our permanent tv stations on there then great maybe we'll be under the creative banner we shall see and time will tell From the why did you even bother telling us about it department, we have from TechCrunch.com reporting on Nintendo revealing the first game in their mobile gaming initiative. So a while back, Nintendo announced that they were breaking from their normal mode of only releasing mobile games on the DS and let the world know, hey, we're going to start pursuing this growing, (laughs) grown, arrived, uh, mobile platform with Nintendo IP. So everyone was curious, ooh, what will it be? Will it be a Mario property? The Pokemon people have, have been doing you know, direct-to-mobile stuff themselves already, so maybe it'll be Pokemon, but yeah, Pokemon kind of does their own thing. Will it be Zelda? Will it be Star Fox? Donkey Kong? What's it going to be? And today, Nintendo announced they have partnered with mobile game specialist DNA, uh, which was announced back in March, and announced a completely new Mii-based, uh, and if you don't know what a Mii is, it's M-I-I, that's the little 3D cartoon avatars that were created for the Wii U to represent uh, the users in cyberspace. Um a me-based game that is not related to their existing internet properties or intellectual properties. Oh, and also, it's been bumped back to March of 2016. So, 
Okay. So the new game is Mitomo. M-I-A-T-O-M-O. And user-created avatars will connect with others. Free to download with optional add-ons available via in-app purchases. Duh. And that's it. So we have a name, Mitomo. And it'll be kind of social-based. Oh, and it's been delayed. Why did we even get this press release? It's a whole, it's just, okay, great, we have a name, yippee. And so basically, the press release is, it's none of the things you were expecting it to be. It's not Zelda. It's not Mario. It's not any of the existing intellectual properties. It's me-based. It had better be pretty damn compelling, because the press release was not. work on that one, Nintendo. You have not lit my fire. Next up, we have a news story from the Well Duh division, though it's not how these stories sometimes end. From TheGuardian.com, it's okay to hack your own car, U.S. Copyright Authority's rule. Duh. This has been an ongoing fight ever since automobiles and farm equipment and other vehicles started incorporating software and computer control, where the designers and manufacturers saw this as an opportunity to lock out the end user and lock people in to having to come to the manufacturer for all service, repair, maintenance, and upgrade. And in the automotive industry, especially for automotive hobbyists, this has been a very hot button topic. Um, and is often referred to as the right to repair. So ever since electronic control came into play, more and more, the ability to diagnose your own vehicle has been denied to you as the owner of the vehicle. Because no longer... I mean, just go back and look at a 70s-era vehicle's dashboard. And all the various status and indicator lights that were plentiful in that era, where the engine would indicate to you all manner of troubles. Um, Fan belt speed, oil pressure, oil temperature, all different kinds of diagnostic information was available, and it was all analog. So... Any mechanic or hobbyist could study up, learn how to read 
these indicators and had the ability to understand what was going on in their engine. Once these controls became digital and the signals, instead of being sent to indicator lights on the dash, were sent to a computer, the check engine light was born, where informative and useful indicator lights began to vanish from the dashboard, replaced by a single check engine light, which told you, something's up, boss. And in order to decode what exactly has caused the check engine light to turn on, you had to go to the dealership where they would plug their proprietary computer in, and it would decode and say, oh, the oxygen sensor needs replacing, the oil pressure is low, the oil temperature is high. All those things that used to be available to the owner of the car required the intervention of a diagnostic computer. And these diagnostic computers were extremely expensive and had gatekeepers stopping the average end user from obtaining them. Because if you weren't an automotive shop, you weren't even permitted in many cases to even pony up the money for them if you wanted. And this raised the ire of a lot of hobbyists and people who like to tweak and fine-tune and upgrade and maintain their own vehicles. And the fight was on to give the end user the right to repair their own vehicle. Um, this is a one of those battles. So the designers of these vehicles attempted to assert copyright over the firmware and software in the vehicles they sold. And we're trying to enforce, well, if you modify the firmware, you have voided the warranty, and we are no longer responsible for your vehicle. And this has been challenged in court. And the most recent ruling from the article on The Guardian is, car owners and security experts can tinker with automobile software without incurring U.S. copyright liability, according to the newly issued guidelines that were opposed, (laughs) surprise, by the auto industry. The Library of Congress, which oversees the U.S. Copyright Office, agreed with the fair use advocates who argued that vehicle owners are entitled to modify their cars, which often involves altering software. Well, you design machines that won't work without the software, so it's kind of hard for us to mod our cars without touching your precious software. Automakers, including General Motors and other vehicle manufacturers, such as Deere and Company, Farm equipment was suffering from the same problem. Opposed the rules, they said the vehicle owners could visit authorized repair shops for changes they may need to undertake. Check ching, check ching, service fee, service fee. Their true motivations are revealed. Not necessarily that they want to maintain the purity of their software, they want to maintain the purity of their bottom line, enforcing you to come to them for all things and even diagnosis of what's going on with your vehicle. Uh, U.S. copyright officials decided that altering computer programs for vehicle repair or modification may not infringe the manufacturer's software copyright. So, I comprehend a victory for plain common sense. More and more as we are entering the digital era, ownership as a concept has been being undermined software licenses. You know, you've never owned 
a copy of your operating system. You've only ever licensed, unless, of course, you're talking about you know freeware, open source movement, um, but commercial software like Microsoft Windows or Mac OS, you're licensing permission to use it from Microsoft or Apple. And this was the great jailbreak um, battle when Apple said, no, you can't touch the firmware on your phone. And hobbyists said, oh, really? Um, I bought it. I own it. I should have the right to break it if I want to. And in an earlier ruling, Library of Congress has also said, breaking your phone, not a crime. Um, so we're slowly kind of reclaiming ownership of our of that. So I cheer for this ruling. May we have more comments just like that one. Uh, and, you know, in a time, we'll move our way back towards common sense. Time now for nostalgia. People of my age, nerds of my age, will remember the era of Laserdisc video games. Thayer's Quest, Space Ace, Dragon's Lair. Well, Don Bluth, the animator behind uh, Space Ace and Dragon's Lair, has launched a Kickstarter. He's looking for $550,000 to kickstart a Dragon's Lair movie. I am of several minds on this. The 14-year-old nerd in me is saying, Squee! Um, I'm not sure how this <laughs> subject matter would translate into a full-length movie. It's, it's a swords and sorcery uh, heroic sword wielding knight versus uh, dragon to free really dippy airheaded over sexualized damsel in distress holy crap princess daphne in the dragon's lair go go to youtube and look for the cutscenes uh, that have been compiled there to see what i mean and all i can say is damn it must have been cold in that crystal globe that she was trapped in yeah slightly misogynistic just a bit uh, but from VG247 I guess that's videogames247.com Dragon's Lair creators Don Bluth and Gary Goldman want to make an animated movie based on the classic arcade game the pair have worked on a number of successful animated movies including The Secret of Nim and American Tale The Land Before Time All Dogs Go to Heaven and Anastasia. Yes, Anastasia. One of the movies that spelled the end of the Fox Animation Studios. I wouldn't list that amongst your successes, guys, because damn. I know Titan AE was the nail in the coffin, but uh, Anastasia didn't help. Uh, the project that has given us the greatest recognition is actually the video arcade game known as Dragon's Lair, created back in the early 1980s, they wrote. Apparently, quote, fans have been begging, ends quote, for a movie. Send Bluth and Goldman want 500 grand of their money to prove it. Uh, 
the this funding will grant the pair and a crack team 21 days of budget to produce a pitch and teaser for the film, which will then be shopped around. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought that seemed a little low. So this is 550 grand to make the pitch video, which they will then shop around to movie production companies to get the $100 million or more that a movie like this requires to produce and market. <laughs> okay, then. Um, we'll see. Let's take a look at where they are. Just a couple of days in. So they're just two, three days in right now. 27 days remain. They have scored 994 backers, and they have $88,686 pledged of the $550,000 goal. Um, okay. I... Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, the, the high-level stuff is the, the perks for the different levels. Uh, you get to the higher-level stuff. Uh, let's see. Huh. Pledge $750 or more. 24 of these are available. Online instructional lesson with Don Bluth. Perfect for students that cannot attend the master class. Uh, okay, interesting. Um, Don Bluth animation tutorial box set of nine DVDs, including how, so if you're an aspiring animator, this might be a, a way to get instructional materials and help Don Bluth, uh, realize his dream of bringing this movie to the big screen. Um, oh, I, I never even realized that they had turned this into a Blu-ray game. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm assuming it plays like the original Laserdisc. I'm seeing the images here of Princess Daphne. Um, yeah, whoa, damn. Um, that's um, skimpy. Yes, yeah, skimpy is the word I'm looking for for to uh, describe and you know, just. Why is the medieval princess wearing stiletto heels? Uh, just why, guys? I mean, can we just ugh, ugh. make him a screen crawl, guys? I, just, I understand you were targeting the product at uh, prepubescent and pubescent uh, men, boys, really, and yikes! Hey, oh God. Uh, yeah, one of the, if you pledge $7,500 or more, you can get the Princess Daphne Animator Maquette statue. Um, yeah, avoid, just don't poke your eyes out with certain bits of her anatomy. Holy crap. Um, I'll just bookmark this for later. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Uh, yeah, so apparently that's a thing.
Okay, here's one for you, Boba Fetish. From Variety.com, Netflix will stream Star Wars The Force Awakens, but only in Canada. Finally, score one for the Great White North. Usually, I'm hearing Canadians kvetching about the really crappy... Uh, catalog of titles available on Netflix versus their U.S. counterparts. In this case, they got some bragging rights. So from the article, Lucky to be Canadian, Netflix subscribers in the Great White North will be able to stream Star Wars The Force Awakens in 2016, the only territory where the company currently has secured streaming rights for the film. The reason Netflix will be able to offer the much-anticipated movie in Canada next year and not in the U.S. or anywhere else has to do with the timing of Disney's pay TV distribution deals when they were up for grabs. Uh, so apparently this was just a random timing thing of when licenses were changing hands. And so in 2016, I predict a massive upsurge in U.S. to Canada VPN connections uh, to have a whole bunch of people in the uh, Great Wet South appear to be in the Great White North just in time for Netflix's new countermeasures against VPNs to probably be engaged. Uh, we'll see. So, Video On Demand has been kind of a blank space for the Star Wars um, franchises. Clone Wars has been a wonderful exception to that rule. Um, getting things like the original trilogy in any form, special edition, regular edition, on streaming has been a challenge or simply has been non-existent. Um, so this may show a crack in that armor. Uh, with Disney in charge you know, with, and licensing deals with the products that they produce, like Star Wars Rebels, and the um, new film, the name is escaping me, the new uh, Rogue One, uh, which will be the movie that comes to us after Episode 7 airs. Um, we'll see what they decide to do with those properties, whether they will keep them close to the vest and say, no, you must buy our discs, or you must buy us via things like iTunes, where you own a virtual copy, or if they will have wider release in streaming services. But I didn't want that one to go uncommented because good on you, Boba Fetish. You're going to have Episode 7 on your Netflix long before I ever see it. You right, smug bastard. All right, for an email, we have an email here from True from last week's show. Hey, Gnome, little follow-up on your issues with robocallers. Yeah, we were discussing last time the massive uptick we're experiencing in scammers and robocallers and demon dialers uh, hitting us all at just the number of times Bob from Microsoft Windows Support has been calling me. 
uh, because my computer is emailing viruses all over the globe and they need me to give me con- give them control of my computer so they can fix the problem for a small fee. Uh, I'm getting those calls two and three times a freaking day some days. Uh, yeah, it's uh, out of control. Uh, True Roach in says, check out the Android app, Mr. Numbers. It keeps a crowdsourced blacklist and can just nuke the incoming call on the first ring. It's not perfect, but it helps. That from True. Thank you, True. Um, so for those of you who are on the Android platform, check out Mr. Numbers in the Android App Store. Sadly, uh, my Nexus 4, I think I just dropped it one too many times, uh, began being very unreliable, spontaneously powering off quietly without any kind of warning, uh, where I wouldn't discover for hours that I was not getting the incoming calls because, hey, my phone turned itself off. So I unfortunately have had to fall back on my wife's old iPhone 5, so I am currently living in the gated community of iOS, so I won't be able to utilize that. But uh, for those of you who are interested on the Android side of just covering your butt from these jerks, uh, check out Mr. From the warms the cockles of my dark heart department, um, the very first 10 megabit per second residential uh, internet service provider is online in the United States, and it is from a municipal provider. You know, the city-run or county-run ISPs that lots of the big national internet service providers have lobbied hard to have laws written to forbid? Yeah, uh, they have stepped up and are providing the fastest service available in the nation. So in Chattanooga, Tennessee... From uh, epb.net, Dr. Jim Bush, a radiologist and entrepreneur in Chattanooga, has become the first person in the world to have 10 gigabit per second residential internet installed in his home. Dr. Bush, who is president of Diagnostic Radiology Consultants, has frequent need to download and upload massive diagnostic images when he is at home and at the office. Uh, the installation occurred just days after EPB announced the availability of 10 gig internet service and unlike point to point commercial installations, which have been possible for some time, EPB's 10 gig service is now available for access by every home and business in a 600 square mile area through Alcatel Lucent's TWDM dash pawn broadcast tech broadcast broadband. I can form words broadband technology. The service costs $299 a month with free installation, no contracts, and no cancellation fees. Uh, 
This is what happens when your municipality is running your ISP. Take away the profit motive. Take away the anti-competitive nature of a lot of these service providers. And suddenly you get superhumanly reasonable rates for superior service. What a concept. Um, and just, I mean, Chattanooga, okay, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Not the first city to roll off the tip of your tongue when you're talking about hotbed And yet, in the article, known as Gig City, Chattanooga has become a hotbed for technology and entrepreneurship since MPD's first launched in Colorado Network in September 2010. Over the past five years, the gig network has transformed Chattanooga's investment profile, helped attract new companies, and enlivened the city's entrepreneurial culture. This is the thing that Comcast and Time Warner have lobbied to have made illegal everywhere they possibly can. Reasonable, reliable, affordable, extremely competitive broadband. Of course that needs to be illegal. So you can have the crappy, overpriced, monopolistic, screw you every way they can, data capped from here to eternity to force you to try and buy their television service that you don't want. Yeah. Um, sign me up for municipal broadband. Thank you very much. Uh, there's been movement in the FCC to basically strike down these local laws forbidding municipal ISPs as illegal nationwide. May that move forward, and we'll have, uh, one hopes, more like this, where your city or municipality will step up, light up some of that dark fiber that's sitting in the ground in so many cities. Because back in the 90s, we were fiber crazy. We were laying fiber... Whenever we opened a trench to do any kind of work in a street, they were putting fiber conduit down there. And there's just miles and miles and miles. And there's freaking transcontinental oceanic cables with thousands of dark strands in them because we way overbuilt. And it's just sitting there in the ground waiting for somebody to want to use it. And But it's illegal for the city to step in and light that stuff up. Let's Let's stop that, shall we? Just... Cut it out. Really. from the rage-inducing division, and in this case, the rage-dispelling division. So you may recall stories circulating the internet over the past couple of weeks of a lovely company called Turing Pharmaceuticals that bought the patent for a decades-old drug called Daraprim, which is used to treat opportunistic diseases um, that afflict a lot of people with suppressed immune systems. 
So a lot of diseases and infections that a healthy immune system can drive off with relative ease that can become life-threatening for someone who has HIV or is immune-suppressed because they're on chemotherapy or are taking immune suppressors because they're transplant patients. Lots of different reasons that someone can be immunosuppressed. And Turing swoops in, buys the patent up for Daraprim, becomes the sole provider, and promptly raises the price per pill from $13.50 a pill to $750 a pill, a 5,000% increase. Making money off the backs of people's lives, basically. It was basically, pony up the cash, jerkwads, or I guess you're gonna die. Um, if that's not sociopath verging on psychopath level lack of empathy for your fellow man and caring only about the profit motive I don't know what is thankfully we have a semi-functional free market in this country enter Imprimus Pharmaceuticals Incorporated a specialty pharmaceutical company based in San Diego who has announced they have made an alternative to, alternative to Daraprim that costs about a dollar a pill. Quote from the article on ArsTechnica.com, While we respect Turing's right to charge patients and insurance companies whatever it believes is appropriate, there may be a more cost-effective compounded option for medications such as Daraprim. Mark Elbaum, CEO of Imprimus, said in a news release, also known as sticking your finger in their eye and saying, oh yeah, we're not all sociopaths in this industry, jerkwad. Here you go, dollar a pill. So even if you lower the prices of Daraprim back to their old levels of $13.50, you're not going to make the kind of money you thought you were going to make. Come, compete with us. Lower your price to less than $1 a pill, or everyone's going to be buying our product instead. Neener, neener, neener. <sighs> thank you, Free Market, and thank you, Imprimus Pharmaceuticals, for restoring a sliver of my faith in humanity. Because, damn... I don't need to see more stories of man profiting off the suffering of other man. That's not the narrative I necessarily want to be surrounded by. So, good on you, and Primus. Keep more of that kind of thing coming. All right, so I'm going to wrap this up at about the hour mark. I want to get you guys something in the feed for this week. Uh, apologies if my droning on and lack of uh, experience with the single mic show has, has left you high and dry. Um, I didn't want, want to stave off the, the pod fading thing with a fork as long as I can. Uh, 
keep an eye on the front page of alphageekradio.com for information on what we've got coming during the uh, weekend special coverage of BlizzCon 2015. There will be no Casually Hardcore next Thursday because I will be at BlizzCon and in the middle of live streaming um, other events at that time. So tune in and enjoy those instead. Uh, so far, let's take a peek at El Chejual of those who have signed up so far. Clickety-click, click, click. And we page forward to Friday, November 8th. We have uh, Daily Tech News Show. Uh, oh, that's right. The forget between now and then, all of you crazy moon time people, move your clocks around and change how I relate to the rest of the world. Because here in Arizona, we sensibly leave our clocks the hell alone because the time is the time. And we don't need to have extra hours of daylight to harvest the crops anymore because we got machines that do this, that have big old freaking halogen lights on them and don't care that it's nighttime. So if I get this correct, it will be 2.30 Mountain Time for Daily Tech News Show uh, with Tom Merritt, yours truly, Brian Ibbett, and Scott Johnson. Tentatively followed immediately... Uh, by the morning stream with Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett. And then those are the ones who have committed so far for Friday. For Saturday at 11 o'clock uh, Mountain Time again, we have Into the Nexus with Garrett Weinzerl and Kyle... Uh, and Kyle. Garrett and Kyle. Uh, with their... Uh, into the Nexus, which is their Heroes of the Storm podcast. They should be uh, dripping with Heroes of the Storm news from the first day of BlizzCon. Uh, following that at 1 o'clock, uh, again, Mountain Time, your WoW Money cast live from BlizzCon. Uh, Going to go for an hour or an hour and a half. Um, those are all the commitments I have so far. Everyone else, the four or five other casters who I know are going to be there, uh, they're just going to wing it. So I'll put stuff on the Twitter feed and on the front page as soon as I get the information from the hosts. And if you're listening, hosts, and I know you are, get me your damn information sooner rather than later, lest ye not get the time slot you want. Um, I'll also be live streaming the World of Podcasts uh, party on Thursday night and the uh, Torrent Think Tank, um, I forget what they're calling their get-together on Friday night. Um, so there'll be stuff on the special events channel as well as the regular shows uh, that are on the schedule at alphageekradio.com. Speaking of, find us there. Alpha Geek Media is more or less fully in place. Um, Alpha Geek Video is still technically in beta right now. I haven't done the full announcement and rollout and press release and all that fun stuff. Really annoying couple of bugs that I'm ironing out with the software developer of the video streaming suite that we use to power the 24-7 server. Basically, the automatic repeat player that worked beautifully on the crappy, salvaged, piece-of-junk servers that I used for proof of concept uh, malfunction now on the glorious 
incredible solid state drive, fast processor, fast RAM, uh, doghouse systems rigs I've got where they will just randomly pause because reasons. Uh, so I will come and my 24-7 server will just have a blank screen live streaming. And that's not the most compelling content that you want playing on your front page. When a new audience member shows up for the first time and clicks on your video stream and gets nothing. Not really how I want to run things. So I've been going back and forth with the Australians behind uh, the vMix software. And they are poking around with the test server trying to figure out, okay, why the hell is this happening and how do we fix it? Uh, once that is addressed, um, we'll do a nice, we'll do the uh, big announcement and launch of Alpha Geek Video 1.0, as well as the special uh, episodes that many of you have voted on from the Indiegogo that was run to fund said servers. So we're going to have the five uh, special event shows. My dream would be to have it all like on a Saturday back to back, wrangling that many people to show up on a Saturday to do live shows. Eh, probably not going to happen, but I'll try and get as many of them together to do kind of a launch party for you guys to have some fun live stuff to tune into and get some of these slightly wacky, uh, show topics that you've paired with hosts. Uh, keep an eye on the front page of Alpha Geek Radio and alphageekvideo.com, uh, for announcements as they develop. You can email the show at the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. My new identity on the Twitter is Alpha Geek Media. All one word, no spaces. Alpha Geek Media, formerly GnomeWise. If you search, you will still find a GnomeWise on Twitter because I immediately reclaimed my old name just in case someone else wanted to camp on that because I don't find that very appetizing. Um, it's basically just a point that says, Hi, Todd's not here anymore. He's over at Alpha Geek Media. If you were already following me on Twitter, you automatically transitioned and you just start seeing me as Alpha Geek Media. The network is Alpha Geek Radio, and there's also Alpha Geek Video. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Alpha Geek Media or Casually Hardcore to find our fan pages there. Subscribe, follow. There's a new feature on the website. Go to subscribe.alphageekradio.com for a summary page to all the different places you can subscribe to the live streams on tunein.com, on YouTube Live, and on twitch.tv. Easy peasy. Choose your delivery method of choice. Whatever service you prefer, whatever service you can get on your particular smart TV, smart device, mobile device, whatever works best for you, Pick that outlet, subscribe to us, and you can get all the live shows on all the channels via whatever method brings you the greatest joy. Our goal is to be streaming on everything, and you decide what method of receiving it works best for you from really low bandwidth audio to 720p HD video on your entertainment center and everything in between. Go to the subreddit, alphageekradio.reddit.com. Suggest titles and uh, articles and things for us to cover on the show. Upvote, downvote, make comments. We appreciate all your input there. Um, today's uh, topics were drawn from the subreddit. Uh, keep it coming. Keep the emails coming. Thank you, True, for emailing in. <sighs> I do believe that I am out of here. See you in two weeks. 
unless you tune in for the special coverage from BlizzCon, in which case, see you soon. Bye-bye, radio people.